Welcome, everybody, to episode number seven of the Gear and Beers podcast, brought to you by Radio Shelter. Uh, I want to start off with saying happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I am uh, recording this on the day after Christmas, of course. No guest. I wanted to let people rest and not have to worry about, you know, juggling a uh, family schedule or a girlfriend schedule or husband schedule or anything of that nature uh, just so they can come down and do a podcast. So I'm doing one by myself. And uh, as always, I got a drink with me. And this is the Claremont Craft Ales Station 101 Red India Pale Ale or a red IPA, if you would. I've had this before. It's actually really good. So got it again. Was the last can on the actual shelf. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get it. Why not? It's Christmas. And I'm celebrating here in the studio alone like a very sad person. Or I'm very dedicated to the craft. So therefore, I'm bringing you another podcast. So that's it. Let me take a swig. And this is for everyone listening or people who are going to start listening. Thank you very much. Very tasty. Uh, Today... I am doing things a little bit differently because like a jackass, I forgot my iLock at home and therefore I am not able to record in Pro Tools tonight. Uh, So I decided to uh, do something a little different and I'm actually using Studio One to record. Uh, Definitely something that I need to get used to. Not a DAW that I've used before for mixing or tracking uh, a whole lot. So uh, I've, you know, I've done straight up, you know, live recordings or things of that nature where I just record and having there as an archive and we have a you know our main rig that's a Pro Tools rig so that said it took a little while for me to get set up in Studio One but I'm up and running and uh, I will edit this in Pro Tools because I'm a creature of habit and uh, I don't want like to change so uh, yeah but it was pretty easy I was able to um, set up my quick keys to be similar to Pro Tools. So there's a setting there in Studio One that you can go in and change. And if you're on a Mac, you just go up to Studio One, keyboard shortcuts. And then on the lower right-hand side, you will see keyboard mapping scheme. You can switch between Studio One, Cubase Logic, Pro Tools. And if you have any of your own that you want to import, by all means, you can do so. Now, I am in no way, shape, or form a Studio One 3 advocate or a professional but I do use it for mastering uh, from time to time, but mostly to do my sequencing because it actually allows for uh, me to input the metadata and things of that nature and create a DDP image to send out to uh, clients and things of that nature. So it's really cool that it has that feature, but as a dedicated doll, I cannot tell you if it's going to work or not, but I am trying it out right now. And I may even just challenge myself and do everything in Studio One and uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that's my little snippet. Uh, don't forget your iLocks if you're working on Pro Tools. Avid does have us uh, by the cojones or the balls, if you will. So uh, yeah. And as always, you know, my signal chain is something that I like to go over. Uh, today I'm trying something a little bit different. I'm actually just running SM7B to the RedNet 4 uh, mic pre. Out of that, I'm going, uh, I'm sending it to the outputs of the RedNet 1 then into the JDK Audio R24EQ, down to the uh, VLA2 compressor, and then out to the burl. So I'm doing things a little bit different today in terms of uh, how I'm uh, sending things into Studio One and then how I'm listening back. So before, I actually would send out the uh, mic without you know, any processing straight to the headphones so we can hear it. This time, because I'm using the RedNet PCIe card, 
I'm actually sending, uh, I'm actually listening to everything as it's already processed coming out of uh, Studio One. So definitely different than what we're uh, used to doing here, but it works. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if anything crashes. I can already tell that there was a little bit of a glitch right now. Not sure if that's something you will hear. And if you do, um, you know, you were expecting this. Now, as I'm recording, I'm trying to get rid of this browser window on the right-hand side. And that pretty much shows me my instruments, effects loops, uh, effects loops and files. So pretty straightforward. Just go to view and then click on uh, browser and it gets rid of it. Perfect. Now I just see my waveform as I'm recording. All right. Now that we're rolling as we're doing things live, a um, few things that I like to go over. One, holiday season is here. Christmas just passed. I'm hoping everybody got what they wanted and, you know, we're able to give some good gifts. If not, remember, holidays aren't about, you know, what gifts you get or what you give. More so about the, you know, people you share those holidays with. So, crack a cold one or a nice scotch. Mark up that cigar or that blunt. Make sure you're sharing it with people that you care about because life is short and uh, we don't know where we're going to be tomorrow or a week from now, let alone a month or a year from now. So, Let's enjoy the people we have in our lives now and uh, enjoy with some good brews and barbecues and red meats. And yeah, why not? Some veggie options too, you know? We need to eat those greens to uh, get our vitamins somehow. So let me get another swig here. Ah, that's good beer. All right. Now, one of the things that I wanted to go over today was... Um, DAW selection, and uh, I wasn't going to talk about that, uh, you know, for this episode, but given that I, you know, forgot my iLock and I was so dependent on that little USB key, that little fucking key to run my Pro Tools rig, um, it, it dawned on me that as engineers, we should be able to learn more than one DAW as a backup. And uh, for me, luckily, I know, you know, a little bit of everything, Um Pro Tools is primarily my main DAW, and then after that, I would say it's a split between uh, Logic, Reaper, and Studio One. I have used Cubase and Nuendo a bit, and I have used Sequoia and uh, what's the other one? Daplitude um, and GarageBand, of course, but I don't think that I have the capability or the know-how to you know, do what I do in Pro Tools. Uh, so efficiently and so quickly. So this is one of the situations where Pro Tools could have hindered me uh, if I was a, an engineer at a session and I didn't have that iLock key. And that's uh, definitely embarrassing and you definitely want to be on top of that. So uh, I would say, you know, when you're selecting your DAW, look for those kind of things. I know Nuendo and Cubase require a USB key. And I also think that they do like a digital key, which could kind of work, you know, Logic, Reaper, and Studio One do not require any kind of USB key. You just input the uh, serial number or activation code that they give you, and boom, you're ready to rock and roll. Reaper is a little bit different. I think they send you a file that you then import. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've activated Reaper. And then Logic, you just download it from the Apple App Store, and you're ready to rock and roll. Every DAW is different. Ultimately, they all do the exact same thing. They record audio and give you the ability to actually edit, mix, bounce down, add effects, add MIDI instrumentation, what have you. Some, of course, are better than others in terms of what they can do. 
For example, Ableton Live, it's an amazing software when it comes to loop-based recording, MIDI instrumentation, things of that nature, and even for live music. It's, it's amazing for that kind of stuff. Now, I don't see myself actually using that to record an album or mix or master, but it is a cool little uh, software to use if you're into EDM and things of that nature. And I've had written songs in it, and I have worked on projects that use Ableton, so I am very familiar with it. Uh, I'm not a pro by any means, but it is a pretty cool software to use if you're looking for something different. Logic, of course, is an amazing DAW, straight up for MIDI instrumentation, uh, orchestration, arrangement, things of that nature. Um, I know it's really big uh, with people who are singer-songwriters and things of that nature because of all the loops that it comes with, all the MIDI instruments, what have you. And uh, for being, you know, what, $300, something like that, it does come with a lot of cool tools. So definitely look into what every DAW offers and then pick and choose whichever one actually meets your, meets your needs or meets your criteria. Like for myself, I've been using, you know, Pro Tools for, man, well over 10 years uh, at this point. You know, I was using it from 6.4 up until 12, uh, which is the latest iteration of it now. Uh, before that, you know, I was using Digital Performer, Sonar, and at one point I was just rocking ADATs before I finally opened up my mind and, you know, in, in my heart, if you will, and let Pro Tools into my life. It wasn't for learning Pro Tools. I don't think that I would have had the opportunities that I had in the past and now uh, in terms of mixing, recording, editing, things of that nature. One of the main questions I get asked a lot when uh, artists or bands are looking for someone to mix or record is what DAW do I use? You know, I tell them Pro Tools and I have access to other DAWs and I have some experience with different DAWs, but most of the time what they're looking for is someone who's working, you know, in Pro Tools or whatever the standard is for whatever they're looking to do. Most of the time, you might find projects where they just need you to record and they'll send it off to someone to mix. So they need to make sure that you guys are using the exact same DAW or you're just a mix engineer and they need to make sure that whatever files are going to be sent to you, you can open right away. Rather than having their engineer do any type of uh, bouncing down individual files, and it can be very tedious if you have a session that has over 50 or 60 tracks of audio and they have to go in there and bounce each and every one of those down individually for a number of songs. Continuity is very important. That means that you know if they have an engineer that is going to record in Pro Tools and you have Pro Tools, then you can, by default, open that session and see everything that he recorded. Now, you might come across some issues sometimes because of plugins, but that's something later down the line. For the time being, is if you can open that session and see what they've recorded, then you definitely already have a leg up in getting that job. Whereas, let's say someone has Logic, everything was recorded in Pro Tools, and now they know, okay, here's another step we have to take by balancing everything down and then giving it to this guy and making sure that everything's named and what have you. Otherwise, you know, someone can accidentally bounce something down and call it kick, but it's actually a tuba or, you know, something else. And, uh, Definitely not something that you want, and it and it sucks. You know, I've had those situations happen to me before, where you know I've had people send me stuff from someone that uh, recorded in Reaper, and they didn't name the the files properly, and at the end they're trying to scramble and just give everything some sort of name that only they knew how to decipher. And there I am listening to every one of these tracks, 
and in changing it myself because it's like, wow, this says kick, but it's a fucking tambourine. I don't know what this dude was doing. Now I have to go fix it. And uh, it creates more work uh, for the person that's going to mix it or edit. And then it definitely sucks because now you have to, as the engineer, find a way to get that done very quickly without either charging the band or them knowing that you had to take that long. Or if you want to be up front, let them know like, hey, you know, so-and-so did it this way. It sucked. And now I have to do all this to get myself to where I'm comfortable, you know, mixing this without any problems. Now, that's not to say that you will not find uh, any work if you're not using Pro Tools, but because it is the industry standard, it makes it a lot easier for, you know, continuity and easy handoff of sessions and things of that nature so that when that phone call comes in or that email comes in and then they said, hey, we recorded this in Pro Tools. Do you have Pro Tools? You can say yes and be ready to go. If Pro Tools is not what you like to use, you know, still learning and having it is not a bad thing because now what you can do is you can say, hey, I got Pro Tools. I don't use Pro Tools to mix. I actually use, you know, Studio One Three. However, I can find a way for us to have me mix this. You know, I'll just take your Pro Tools session. I'll bounce it down myself. I won't charge you for it. I'll take care of it. And then, you know, you send it out to them or you don't even have to tell them anything. You know, you can just be like, yeah, I got Pro Tools. I can take a look at your session and then you can do whatever it takes for you to, you know, do what you have to do and then go from there. So, you know, you can do it any which way you want it. It's definitely up to you. When selecting your DAW, make sure that you pay attention to what you want to do and what your end goal is. Are you going to mix for other people? Are you going to record other people? You know, what, what is it that you're looking to do? And then once you find it, go with it. Learn it. Learn the ins and outs. Look at YouTube tutorials. You know, buy the manual. Get in there and fuck things up because that's the best way you're going to learn is by fucking something up and then fixing it. All right. Now that we've covered dogs a bit, actually took a pause so I can drink a little bit of beer and I uh, messed with my compressor settings a little bit more. I wasn't liking the way it was sounding, so I changed it midway. Hopefully you can tell a difference. If not, oh well. So the next thing I'd like to cover would be interfaces. Now, an interface is a device that'll take analog signal and then convert it to digital information and send it to your computer via USB, Thunderbolt, Firewire, or PCIe. Now, choosing one can be a bit tricky because there's so many of them out there that pinpointing the exact one for you might be a little bit hard. So how do you select an interface? That's a million dollar question. Given that there is a shit ton of them out there, selecting the appropriate one for you might be, well, fucking impossible. At this point, reaching out to manufacturers or, or other engineers or musicians that you know that are using certain interfaces will come in handy. You can also look at forums, magazines, things of that nature, social media to see what everyone's working with, and you can go from there. Now, keep in mind, certain things are going to be hyped more than others. Like, there's a big fad right now with the universal audio interfaces because of the plug-in processing that you can do before you hit your DAW. Now, that's pretty cool and all, but that's not for me. I would like to get my hands on one so I can see the difference, but for me, I like pure audio when I'm recording it. Or if I'm going to process it before going into the DAW, 
I'm going to do it like I'm doing here, you know, coming straight out of my interface into my EQ and then into my processor and then just commit to that sound and then go from there. That's the beauty of audio recording is that you can always go back and re-record, but you know, you might not be able to re, uh, recapture that magic. And we'll talk about that a little bit later down the line with other guests here. But in terms of the interface, you want to look into things that actually benefit you. If you think that the universal audio interface is going to work for you because you're not going to invest in any type of external processing down the line, then that's the one for you. If you feel that, well, it would be great to have an LA2A compressor going into Pro Tools, but I would rather have a warm audio knockoff or any other company that makes a knockoff of it or a copy, I should say, or their revision, then that might actually give you a better sound than the one that the Universal Audio plugins you know, have. That not, that's not to say that those plugins don't sound great, but hardware processing gives you a, a certain sound that you cannot replicate in the uh, digital world. So that's some food for thought. Now, back to the interfaces. I'm a bit biased when it comes to interfaces because I have experience with a certain brand more than I do others. And that's the brand that I will tell people to look into. There are some interfaces that I've had horrible experiences with, and I'll tell people about my horror stories, but I won't tell them to stay away from them because I've actually spoken to other people who use certain you know, interfaces, and then they'll go ahead and say, well, I had a better experience than that. So I guess it depends on the person and which one you get. But if you're looking for something inexpensive and something that sounds good, I would say look at the Focusrite stuff. Look at the, I would say, Persona stuff is another one that people tend to like. And, I mean, if you have a little extra cash, then, you know, look at the Universal Audio stuff. There's so much stuff out there that you can look into. And it all depends on your taste, preference, and what you're looking for. Maybe none of these will work for you, and you want to invest in an HDX rig and, you know, get a HDIO and then buy nothing but need preamps or API preamps, then by all means, that's something that if that will benefit you, then go for it. If you have the bank, why not? Break it. Fuck it. You know, it's all in what you can afford and what's going to benefit you. So DAWs covered, interfaces covered. One last thing about interfaces, make sure that you select one that's going to work with your computer. So if you have a Mac, make sure it's Mac capable or compatible, I should say. And if you have a Windows machine, make sure that it's Windows compatible. And then look at the actual connection type as well. In my past experience, people would always get these Thunderbolt interfaces thinking that they can somehow add a Thunderbolt port to their PC. That's not the case. Unless that motherboard on that PC has the ability to take a Thunderbolt card, it's not going to work. You just waste your time and your money, and then you're going to have to go back to the drawing board. When you're selecting your interface, don't just look for something that's going to work for you in terms of the functionality, in terms of, you know, mic pre's, line outs, does it have eight add outs, things of that nature. Does it have any type of, you know, DSP processing like the universal audio interface or will it work with my computer that I have right now? Now, that is going to be a perfect segue for my next topic, which is computers. Being that this is digital recording, you need to have a solid computer that's going to actually work. Your shitty PC from 2008 might not cut it anymore. It's probably time to start thinking about a computer that's going to be able to handle 
heavy processing, automation, edits, multiple tracks, things of that nature, and also higher sample rates. There's always that debate between Windows and Mac. To be honest, I've been a Mac user for, I want to say, close to 15 years, maybe 13. I started recording in uh, you know, Pro Tools on a PC. It was okay. I had no issues. And then once I switched over to the Mac, it was uh, like night and day. I just did not go back to Windows. And I still use Windows from time to time to do certain things. But because I'm so embedded in the Mac OS environment, using a Windows operating system now is it, it's a it's a bit crippling for me. But you know, I, I can find things I can poke around, and uh, I, you know, I can do stuff. Now, in terms of which one works best for you, it's it's a matter of a few things: cost, availability, and compatibility with what you're trying to do. There are some interfaces out there and some DAWs out there that do not work on the Windows operating system. There are some DAWs out there that will not work on Mac. So looking at those things, you definitely will be able to pinpoint what computer is going to work best for you. So if you're looking at Logic, then you just need to make sure that any of the interfaces that you're going to get are going to work on the Mac operating system. After that, you're pretty much set. You can start recording. If you're looking at something like Saplitude and you're looking at Universal Audio, that might pose a, a bit of a problem. To my understanding, Universal Audio is not going to release Windows drivers, but I could be wrong. It's been a while since I followed up on this. If you're looking at the Universal Audio stuff and you're wanting to use it on a PC, you definitely want to reach out to them because it could be wrong. I don't work for them. I don't do anything with them. I'm not affiliated with them. So the last time I was actually in contact with him about this was a few years back. And this was for a customer that I was assisting uh, when I was working at my old job. So that's when I, they told me, yeah, they had no plans on going to windows. So that could have changed. Keep that in mind. So if you're looking to build a PC from the ground up, you want to make sure that the DAW and interface that you're going to use are going to be windows OS compatible. Otherwise you built a PC and you're going to have to, Figure out what you're going to need it for. So, some people are going to tell you that Mac is better than Windows and vice versa. I would steer clear from those conversations because those are conversations that tend to end with snobby people in terms of the PC master race or Mac owners and things of that nature. So, when asking questions in forums and things of that nature, take it with a grain of salt because you are going to get some people that are going to be fucking assholes. When it comes to you looking for some sort of information, the world's full of them, unfortunately. So you just gotta learn how to move on and take the information that's provided and, you know, apply it however which way you can. But I'll tell you from my personal experience, you can work on a Windows machine very well if you know what you're doing with it. Or if you have a technician that's building it for you and they know what you need it for, they'll be able to assist you very well and uh, get that going for you. Max, on the other hand, they're pretty stable right out of the box. Very rarely do you need to do anything to get them to work perfectly, which seems to be the more popular thing nowadays is to buy a Mac strictly for audio production. Um, you will find some studios that are strictly PC, and you know there's nothing wrong with that. It works for them. They're making their money. You know They're getting their artists in and out, whatever. 
just a lot of things to look into and to think about when you're trying to get uh, started in audio recording. And, and this is just barely even scratching the surface. There's more to this that we have yet to cover. And uh, I'm hoping to do a little bit more of these episodes that I you know, get an actual topic from uh, a listener or maybe I come across someone that asked ask me a certain question about a certain technique and then I'll you know, do a recording and put it out there so that you can listen to it. But for now, thank you for stopping by again. I'm going to finish this beer and wrap up and uh, say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year. Don't get discouraged. You might not get a New Year one because we're all going to be drunk that evening and day. And if you have any questions, feel free reaching out to me and I'll be more than happy to help out with you know whatever questions you may have. So take care and be good to one another. Peace out. <music>